If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Dad Vengers podcast, sponsored by Tonka. Because being tough is all about getting out and playing. I'm Nigel Clark, TV presenter and performer. And I'm also host of this wonderful podcast where we explore different aspects of parenting and hone in on the dad point of view. And mums, grandparents, carers, we want you involved in the conversation too. So let's talk, let's laugh, let's share the things we find difficult and become the type of dads we really want to be. I'm really excited for today's episode. Firstly, because we've got a couple on, so we can talk daddying from both the mum and dad point of view, but also because I get to chat with an ex-partner in crime slash TV antics, if you want to put it that way. She's a TV presenter, author, podcaster, therapist, and coming to America fangirl. She's She's brought along her better half, the man who has to deal with the whirlwind that she is. Please welcome Anna Williamson and her partner, Alex. Oh, thank you, Nigel. Thank you, Nigel. And and for everyone that's going like, what? Alex will know this because he knows me. Yeah, I forgot to tell you this. So Nigel is literally up there with my brothers my right. real brothers, when it comes to loving Police Academy yeah. and coming to America. Oh, there is, Nigel was one of the only other human beings that get that. Yeah. Um, we were there. We were there, <laughs> Nigel. Best films ever, fact. It's so like, yeah, my, you're, my, you're my telly husband. One of my telly husbands, Nigel. You yes, know that. Yes, yes. We, we had some time. Oh, we, got, man, we, we had, had some time. time. We've got, I know I what you're dealing with, times. Alex. <laughs> Do you? I feel sorry for you. <laughs> no, I feel sorry for you. You well, signed up for life. Yeah. I just signed up for a series. It's true. Come that's on now. True. You're, yeah. Actually, you two are quite similar in the fact that you're both quite laissez-faire. You're quite, and I think that's a good dynamic with me. I think, I think you can't have two me just going ah! too much, or you're just going to have a two breakdown. Annas. Yeah. Two Annas. Two Come breakdown. on now. Nobody wants that. No one needs so, that. So by laissez-faire, do you just mean we just have to let you get on with what you want to do? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. That's the way to control you. That's the way to handle you, really, isn't Ooh, it? Just to let you let you do what you need to yeah, do. Yeah, let me, let me be <laughs> that here. And, and that me, and make the yeah. bed correctly, right? You fold it down <laughs> yeah, for a little yeah, bit exactly. first before yeah, you, like, it. then go back and then... You've obviously listened to our podcast, Nigel. <laughs> I have listened to your podcast. It was good research for me to, to feel the dynamic, to feel what you go through, to see what you've talked about. Oh, we're always bickering, Nigel. We're always flipping bickering. No, but the thing that I really loved about just doing the re- research into you two as a couple, because, I, of course, I know Anna and I've seen little bits on socials and stuff, but to hear 
the stuff on on podcasts was it's really lovely because you've got this understanding and you've you can tell that you've built your relationship do you know what I mean you've gone through the highs you've gone through the lows you've respected wow I need to step off from you for a second because you're not in a good mood and vice versa the other way around to get to a point where now you can look at each other and go do you know what oh you're you're there right now do you need some help not need some help where we at and that is a beautiful thing as a couple Mm-hmm. Thanks, mate. Do you know that that is so true, actually, Nigel. This is the first time we've ever done anything together like this, actually. As in, kind of like talking together without us leading it or just bickering. Right. Yeah. Well, and I love it. Yeah. Having, having, having someone else there. It's exactly. like Nigel, you're like our counsellor. Yeah, you're like we do couples counselling for us, and we wouldn't think of anyone else by you, Nigel. Um, but no, no, no. You're you're definitely right. Mm. We have got to that place now where we do recognise where someone's either having a bad day or they've just had enough or a lot of the times it's when we've had enough with the children and we need that other parent to step in and go okay <laughs> let's calm this down let's yeah. you know where <laughs> I think you're going a bit too too mad you've lost there. your shit yeah, mummy's lost, lost her rag you're starting to lose it let's step in before you completely lose it so yeah we definitely have uh, yeah that, and, that I, and actually I think you're spot on Nigel in the fact when you say about we've built it because well, everyone builds their relationship, as we know. I mean, you and Melina, you know, you've been together flipping hell donkeys years, way longer than. Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I, I was messing about when you know, still when you when you and Melina got together, you've been together, you know, since time. But you know, we got together. We were quite a whirlwind romance, really, weren't we? We kind of we we were we were platonic before we started dating each other. We actually knew each other more in a work capacity. Um, yeah. So there, you know, it wasn't like any of this sort of, you know, you met each other in a bar and you started dating, and you know, we knew each other before that for about, you know, a good few months. Um, but then we were hit with, you know, like lo- loads of relationships, and I'm sure you're the same, Nigel. You know, with you guys, everyone's got their own personal story to tell. You know, when we uh, got together, um, only about six months later, Alex's dad died suddenly in an accident. And so then we had to, so really our sort of foundations of our relationship, of our marriage, we've been, get, we've been together seven years now, married for nearly six, were based on grief, which is when you've talked loads about it recently, which is yeah. a whole new ballgame because I don't actually really know Alex out of grief, if that makes sense. So we... You, you did for six months. So that was well, <laughs> yeah, six months. Yeah, but everyone's, everyone's making up those first six months, aren't they? That's when yeah, everyone's... That's the honeymoon, six months. Yeah. Yeah. honeymoon period. It's yeah. when you're having Come sex all the time. You're not getting into deeper meaningfuls. It's all physical. It's animalistic. Um, and then we were sort of faced with this, oh, shit, this massive... Too much, probably too much. Probably. Probably. No, 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 it's all good. It's nice. It's all good. It's nice. Trust me, it's cool. Um, so yeah, so it has been a bit of a, you know, and then obviously throw kids into the mix, you know, and, and as we know, this is the whole point, obviously, of dad vengers as well, you know, what a massive, a massive change that is to relationships. So yeah, we're constantly evolving, you know. I think, you know, building a relationship around something that is so pivotal in your life, like that, going through grief, or um, having a baby, or, you know, you know, the, the big life things that, that can happen to you. If you're building your relationship foundations around that, it it leads to a stronger relationship. Even if you don't, even if you uh, were to, and I'm not saying that I'm um, touch wood, you guys are going to stay together forever. But even if you'd gone on to separate things, there would have been a bond about you going through that together that would have remained no matter what. No, I was just going to say it could have been quite easy for me to have gone. You know what? Actually, I'm just going to go traveling for 
another year or something like that and just forget about everything you know and try and deal with my grief in that way you know but Mm. for me I actually felt you know my relationship with Anna was was right and she was the one and I and I that grief actually kind of accelerated the relationship for me and I Mm. thought you know life is too short it can just be taken away like that so look this is what I want to do and let's just go for it you know and that's when I started looking at rings and you know thinking of the best time to ask her to marry me so it was pretty quick <laughs> there was you no, go no, no messing around chicken though Nige, so i was obviously went for it like a rat up a drain pipe i was like yes i do <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> so the thing is for our viewers listeners and for me as well i want to go back i want to go way back into your past so i'm going to start with you alex uh what was your childhood like where did you grow up uh, and what were your parents like? Um, so I was born in Sicily. So right. bit of context. My dad was Sicilian. Um, well, still is Sicilian, but don't know how to wow, address that him mean... when he's passed away. But <laughs> but yeah. Does but... that mean the family are always listening? Uh, could always. Be. Yeah, could be. So we've got to be careful. Uh, <laughs> always. <laughs> but yeah. So my dad is Sicilian. Um, grew up in a in a village town called Campo Felice, which means happy camp. And uh, and then my mum was from, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, not a lot of people are happy there, but hi, anyway, hi. <laughs> um, so and then my mum's from North London, um, and she, the story goes that she went on holiday to Sicily, um, a tourist tourist town, Cefalu, and they met there, and anyway, a few years later, my brother was born, and then I was born, so I was born in Sicily, I grew up there, well, I stayed there for four years of my life and then moved to Oxfordshire um, in a place called Cholsey, which is a very small place near Didcot. So four years in Italy, in Sicily, and then over to North... Uh, no, you just went uh, near Oxford, yeah? So then you were there. So Oxfordshire, yeah. So I was there and I, I grew up there, really. Um, and my family, what was it like? Well, we were the only <laughs> Italians in the village. Uh, so... <laughs> It was quite it was quite a strange one really yeah it was also at a time where I don't know you know obviously a lot of people weren't used to other cultures it seemed like in my village okay so I I felt quite singled out actually growing up um, you were the one with the foreign brother, dad basically I was the one with the foreign dad exactly and and, and it, Italians weren't cool apparently you know it didn't seem that way anyway but um so I grew up you know and uh, growing up was bit hard because didn't really know where to fit in you know so I get it I get it, it was, that's that's very interesting to hear that you were an ethnic minority yeah yeah, yeah exactly in I, your I in your village in my you were an ethnic minority. yeah exactly there, there, there were not uh, there were no, no Italians that you know had I moved to Hoddesdon or somewhere like that they were you know the communities thriving with Sicilians but um no I was in I was in a little village called Cholsey and uh so when I went to school it was it was quite tricky because it was always oh he's the Italian one and the girls used to fancy me for it but the boys didn't really like me for it so <laughs> it was always in that in that kind of scenario but, competition um, and a competition, competition knocking around competition exactly but, but they just didn't know what was they just didn't know how great Italians were at that yeah. point Anna for you as well where where did you grow up um, so I, you know I thought I consider myself very fortunate um, very fortunate particularly as life has gone on and 
you know, I've just through our work, you know, that we do, I see so many people that, that can't, can't boast, you know, a completely happy childhood, but I, I did, you know, parents are still together. They've been married for, um, Oh God, donkey's years, probably as long as your folks. Your folks have been together since time, haven't they? Yeah, mine have been, well, mine must be like, if I'm 40, maybe 50 years getting yeah, on but 40 yeah, to 50 yeah, years. Yeah, mine's about coming up 50 years. Side note, your dad on his birthday, absolute <laughs> legend dancing. Seriously, I haven't shown you this. <laughs> really? Nigel's dad, oh, absolute legend. you got to check those Insta posts. Check the videos out, out. The moves, the moves. <laughs> Papa has are amazing. Um, but yeah, my, you know, a very happy childhood, very, very fortunate, very middle class, you know, England, um, you know, with a cherry on top, um, you know, parents who sort of weren't, who, who were doing all right for themselves, you know, we weren't uh, necessarily spoiled, but we didn't want for anything, you know, I'd say a very nice sort of state education. And we lived, we grew up in, in rural, in rural Hertfordshire. Um, and um, I'm really grateful for that. You know, I had a, a great oh, upbringing. Oh, you should be. With a, yeah, really grateful for it. With a mum who who really was was there. You know, she was there particularly all the time. My dad, you know, it was very classic sort of 80s, 90s upbringing in that sense. You know, dad went to work in London, came back, you know, weekends with him. But it was a really sort of classic, um, really good upbringing where um, I felt very nurtured. I felt very supported. And, um, and yeah, I, I, I feel extremely lucky that I benefited from from, from what I had. What I want to do is frame how your dads were for you. So now we know where you've uh, grown up and where you're at. I want to sort of hear a little bit about what your dads were specifically like, because this we, we're we from a generation where our dads, well, mine, went to work at like nine. And I think this is what you were alluding to just now, Anna, went to work at whatever time in the morning came back in the evening didn't really see him much because like he'd come back late and you'd be going to school the next day so you gotta go to bed early you might catch him before going to bed that kind of things maybe catch him on the weekends if you're not doing xyz in your your you know after school activity kind of things or going to football or whatever it is um just to see what your parents your dad specifically were like and see how that has fed how you two parent so maybe you start, Alex, with what your dad was like and what you remember. Um, my my dad, um, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, my dad also worked in the day. So the moments where I most saw him in the week was in the mornings, getting ready for school, whilst he was getting ready for work as well. We won't go there with that story. I don't think Anna. <laughs> Uh, Anna's laughing because there's a story. There's always a please, a, please go on. It, go on. Right. This is probably a, a traditional Italian morning routine. My dad would wake up, have a cigarette in bed, <laughs> and a and a and an espresso. Well, an Italian breakfast for any fag and a coffee. For anyone who knows when they have a fag and a coffee before breakfast, <laughs> it's it starts Selected. to get your bowels moving. Yeah, and, of course, uh, that movements. Yes. Oh, so do the that stimulates your movement. Yes. So I'd be there and brushing my teeth, getting ready for school in the toilet. And uh, we only had one toilet at the end of the kitchen, um, one bathroom, the end of the kitchen downstairs. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I could hear my dad coming down the stairs, bam, 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 bam. Alex, non, spos- non posso aspettare, non posso aspettare, which means I cannot wait, I cannot wait, basically. <laughs> and he would barge in. Open the let door, the toilet. sit on the toilet, and just let loose, and just it would all. You're going to learn something to. You're going to learn today, Alex. You're going to yeah. learn today. And I'm there brushing my teeth. And I'm thinking this is disgusting. 
This is it's, it's a shame, so, is it? It's one of your dad's legacies, really. Is that, that is always, one of his legacies. En, so, Enzo and so Enzo that, is my father-in-law's name. Uh, was his morning. That shit. was the morning routine. Yeah, <laughs> and then soon after that, I would uh, make a swift exit. Vacate. Yeah, make a swift exit and go to school. Um, and then when I came back, <laughs> yeah, my, both mum and dad were. My mum was a medical secretary, and my dad had various jobs, but. From this time, I'm thinking he was he was training as a psychiatric nurse. So, so with that in mind, was he emotionally available to you? Was was that side of him open, or was that side a side of him that you didn't see? Because I'm just thinking, in that generation, normally you don't see uh, men talking about mental health or getting involved in that. And I know we're going to bring the conversation there later. So I want to I want to hear what your dad was like. Well, actually. Um... So not until I started reading myself about NLP did I realise what my dad was going on about sometimes when he used to talk to me about mental health. And he used to say, sometimes when you're in a place, you know, and you don't feel comfortable, so essentially feeling a bit anxious, but he didn't use those words, but he essentially don't feel comfortable. He said, you have to go to your own place, make your own world. And that when I started learning about NLP, and Anna knows more, so correct me if I'm wrong, but when I started learning about NLP myself, that's exactly what he was describing. You know, in those situations, those social situations where you don't feel comfortable, just be in your own world. And that was amazing, you know, just talking about it and thinking about it now, that was amazing because, you know, I knew nothing about that and I didn't know he knew about that. But I have these moments now, obviously, through grief that I think about all these things that he said to me and I was like yeah you know that he was right you know that really helps with me you know when I am feeling a bit socially anxious so I go to my own kind of world my own happy place I guess and and it it really just calms me down so yeah he was quite open so he was giving you a foundation in things without you even knowing and without him being yeah. explicit about it really. yeah yeah exactly exactly that's really unheard of. That I mean, for our generation, it's very yeah. rare very to have rare. men talking about that kind of thing. Yeah. So maybe that is why, and we'll get into this in a little bit, why you're a little bit more in tune with your mental health and able to assess it and self-care. Yeah. And, and yeah, also you're with this one who's probably sitting there <laughs> going, mm, Alex, you might want to take a look at yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, I'm yeah. always doing that, Nigel. Sure. Honestly, it's the one thing I need to, <laughs> I, I deliberately don't. But I didn't actually know that yeah, no, about your dad. No, yeah, it just, yeah, just popped in my head now thinking of it. But so. I mean, for what you've always said about your dad, sadly, I, I only ever met my Enzo, Alex's dad, a couple of times before he passed away. But he always seems like, from the way everyone talks about him, a very emotionally demonstrative yeah. person. But he was very philosophical as well. As, you know, I think he, he thought of himself as a bit of a philosopher, <laughs> but he wasn't. But he was, a a you know, boy. all of the way, all of his kind of ways were were like that, you know. And he would try and teach me things, that kind of thing. So um, that's awesome, dude. That's really, really awesome. Anna, what about your dad? What we got going on there? Oh my god! Have you ever met my dad? Maybe you have. No, I, I haven't. You have. um, he, there is no man in this world that compares. You know, um, to you know, obviously Alex is is up there. You know, and obviously Enzo, but um, as in our son. But no, my dad is is on on such a pedestal for me. Um, he's my favourite person. He is my my. I love this topic, nice truly, because 
you saying that about your dad and about how that then reflects on who we are as people and then how we parent. My dad is, and you know him very well now, he's like mm. a surrogate dad. He is he's kind, he's gentle, he is very wise. Um, I don't think I've ever had a crossword with my dad in my life. I listen to him. He is the first person. If anyone needs to reason with me, they go to dad to talk to me. Um, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah, it's always get dad to talk to Anna because, yeah, he's, he's my rock, really. He's always been very constant and very consistent, but always. And the one thing that my dad, the main thing, really, that I've taken always from dad, and perhaps this does tap into my, my parenting, but also my career, really, and the person I am, number one thing in life was fairness and equality. And you treat people, always said, you know, manners cost nothing etiquette cost nothing kindness being a decent human being um and ever since we grew up it was never about what we had or what we didn't have it was about how we treated other people you know you treat people as you wish to be treated yourself and I go for myself and my brothers with that that's something we've always always um held close to us is that um you know we cannot abide um you know any form of discrimination or any unfairness or any inequality of course it exists it's not fair that it exists but we've always very staunchly made sure that um that is something we hugely repel against um, and try and be all inclusive always has been wow two awesome dads to to have to have learned from and now to um to kind of emulate and and bring into your own parenting styles we are so happy to have Tonka as our sponsor this series. Basic Fun's Tonka collection is packed full of fun vehicles for kids who want to get out and get tough with their toys. So dads, you've got no excuse. Grab that Mighty Steel Classic truck. It's time to head to the sandpit for some tough play. So cut to later on, you have your first child, Enzo. Brought him into the world. And it wasn't the easiest of times, was it? No, it was dreadful. It was <laughs> dreadful. Your biggest fan, Enzo, seriously, we always threaten him with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> Going to get nice on the phone. Um, he, yeah, it was, um, it was a much wanted pregnancy, wasn't it? And we yeah. were very lucky. Yeah. We got pregnant pretty quick, probably a bit quicker than we would have ideally. We thought ideally we would have, yeah, yeah. It was like, got married now, best get going. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Well, you kept saying, that oh, happened. it takes We're a good year going. to try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. She, you kept saying, oh, statistically, Anna would read the statistics. Statistically, it takes about a year to get pregnant. Uh, it took, took, took a couple of goes, Nigel, and we were in. Boom. Um, whoop, whoop. Uh, happy. Happy, though. You know, okay, happy. fine. We're having yeah. a baby. Um, but, yeah, I suffered with terrible um, mental health issues of terrible mm. perinatal anxiety didn't I mm. which was uh, undiagnosed at the time um uh, I speak very openly about having an anxiety disorder which is very well managed but um and then I had a terrible birth with him unfortunately it was we went over we went over by two weeks it was very long it was very painful it wasn't what we were expecting because um I don't know how I can't can't remember now. I've asked you about your birth and I can't remember my apologies but Enzo went back to back with with labor so um it was quite difficult to get him out um so then we ended up with a theater uh, forceps delivery which was a whole new ball game of trauma mm. um and and it was um the only way I also the main way I describe it and I, I have gone through an awful lot of, of healing over his birth actually um and I'm totally fine with it now you know I am but it took me a very long time because I spiraled into an absolute pit of postnatal depression and and birth trauma after having him 
And really, Alex was left holding the fort. Alex was left picking yeah. up the pieces. And for both of us, I remember I wasn't really conscious when he was born. And I really oh, remember yeah. feeling, well, him, him coming out. And you, you'll know it more than me because you were the one that was, was, was there. But I do remember having this overwhelming feeling of sadness and disappointment that this much-hyped thing, your first child, as something I wanted to do together, was so detached from each other. It was me... Yeah in this and Alex sort of on his own and it wasn't this moment and I do really remember that, I can, that was a tough moment I felt so pissed off yeah go on what was it well, like well I was just going to say in that moment I think we you use obviously separately but we all we both thought that Anna mm. was not going to make it like we Anna Anna had those thoughts and I had that thought because you know it was a really terrible time and I could see some blood and stuff every you know things that I didn't expect mm. to see and 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 I was in that moment. I did think, you know, she might not make it, and mm. I made a promise to. So I make feel a bit emotional, actually. Oh, <coughs> okay. Sorry about that. Um, the Italian in him. I made a promise to Enzo, and I said, "Don't worry, kid. I'm going to look after you." Oh, wow. <laughs> it's okay. Emotional, but yeah. It's okay. But in that Good. moment, that that was. That was a tough moment, and that was mm. what I was kind of thinking in my head and and saying to him, you know, if it's just me and you, then I'm going to be the best dad I can. Well, you you have been. And luckily, luckily, <laughs> it didn't happen oh. that way, so it's great because <laughs> we had both each other to support each other, you yeah. know, going through that tough time. So, but I think this is a great point, and really, on what tell Nigel what you said before the pod because Alex really, um, and I know, and I know we've discussed this, Nigel, you know before as well on, on mine but which is why dads are so important and what you're doing with your dad ventures is so important because yeah sure the the, the mums go through the birth experience and yeah it's bloody awful at times and it can be amazing but for us it was awful but I do think I have so much empathy for the dads that are just basically left out in the cold and then those mm. moments thinking well well now what you know and there was a very real moment when we birthed when I birthed Enzo of um of me not making it you know it was a quite traumatic moment and it's really weird you've never actually told me you you said that or made that promise but I remember lying there and thinking to myself my god I trust this man and I know whatever happens I know he will look after this baby but I just remember feeling very sad in that moment in my kind of semi-consciousness that I wouldn't I wouldn't be there for that and you know thank god obviously that didn't happen but yeah. you know what what came with that you know was a really you know, quite upsetting time that yeah. happened after that for us both, finding our feet. And Alex really stepped up to me. I was really unwell mentally and physically. I, I, I couldn't even fathom motherhood to start with. I was so poorly and detached. Mm. And Alex really was the primary carer, you know, which is why... <laughs> Right, why when he's a bugger now, you <laughs> remember those moments. Yeah. But Alex really was um, uh, a, a num the number one carer for, for our son in all ways. And you found it a very lonely experience. Very lonely, very lonely. Mm. Yeah. And I think I mentioned, you know, before coming across your podcast and what you do, Nigel, I think I mentioned on ours um, when we were talking, I said, it doesn't really feel like there's a platform for dads. You know, there's nowhere where it's not like the mums who have their WhatsApp groups and you know, they yeah. just have people they can meet up for coffees when they're looking after the children. I said, you know, for dads, it feels so it's different. You know, it's not like that. You know, a lot of dads go to work. So there's that stereotypical man, man goes to work, wife stays at home with a baby. So when Anna was at work and I was looking after Enzo in the day because I was also freelance. So I took some time off. I had no one. It was just me and him. And and I wish there was something like Dad Vengers and like your support group that you you have to be able to reach out to other dads and say, look, 
this, I'm struggling. It's so difficult. What do I do? You know, it's so, so important. And that's why I'm so happy that you just shared that moment that, uh, that Anna had never sort of, t- and yourself had never talked about because for other men uh, and other women to see what dads go through, because you, you being emotional like that is, is bringing back what you went through in that moment. Now, there'll be a lot of couples out there, a lot of dads, a lot of mums who will have gone through similar things to you and will have had strong emotions like that and will have pushed them down, will have pushed them away because I've got to be strong. I've got to be the be here for you and, and making those promises on the inside. And then they never come out. And when they never come out like that, it's it's a pressure. It's an added pressure that you've added to yourself. Uh, and that pressure can blow at any moment, at any point, at any time. And when it does blow, it can be dangerous for some people. That's why there are so many men that have committed suicide, fathers that have committed suicide, because they don't have or don't feel that they can take that moment to be emotional, to be vulnerable, to let go. And you having done it just now, if one person listens to this or sees this podcast, and sees what you did and opens up to their partner or says, you know what, I felt like that when I was, when, when you went through your traumatic birth, love, or whatever, whatever it is, and they feel more likely to talk and it stops that pressure cooker rising up and exploding, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. Preaching. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy for that. So, yeah, I, I want to thank you for having that, the openness to have that moment with us and, and to share oh, it with us because I think it's, really important and I think you'll have helped someone without even knowing it now and you may even get a a message a year two years from now like I heard this and you know what thank you thank you for opening up so I'm thankful you thank thank you thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak about it because it's you know it's really helped it just like you say it's relieved a bit of pressure off me and and it's and it's given me the opportunity to share that with Anna which I didn't actually realize that I hadn't shared that no, that I didn't know. I didn't know you'd said that, but I think you're so right, Nigel. It's because I think these moments—they're so huge, but they motor on so fast, you mm. know. And we get lost in the next thing, the next phase. Oh my gosh, he's not feeding, or this is happening, or that. So you, as you say, you 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 push past them, and we don't know they're important until they suddenly come back out again. And like, yeah, yeah thank you, babe. And it's you know, and it's cathartic to <laughs> you might think I'm a bit that I'm like oh I'm fine I have cried many tears yeah. oh, oh no, I've been through a lot of therapy about it <sighs> but I'm, oh. but it is it is really important you know and I think for you know and, and and it's only when we came out the other side and I think this is one thing that that I feel really strongly about I don't know if you know this stat but one in I think it's one in five couples break up within the first year of having a baby um, and I can totally get that, like yeah, totally hard. get that. Oh, it is a full on time. It's the hardest, yeah. Bit. It's yeah. The and hardest I think start. the stats are way higher for like children under five because let's be honest, it's bloody hard to find yourselves yeah. as couples, you know, and dealing with the kids. I mean, like literally just before we came on the pod, you know, Alex was having to finish. Alex has you know proper job um, uh, as opposed to mine, and you know was finishing off some late work. So I was doing the kids' bedtime. You know, the baby was having a shit fit. Enzo was being a knob. You know, it was like <laughs> that, that was those moments where I had to step in for five minutes and just calm Enzo down and add it down. Everybody, everyone needs to take a chill pill right now. I I needed I needed my inner Alex at that moment to separate the situation. Um but yeah I can't remember where I'm really going with this but um 
but it's important to talk about it because I think yeah we uh we we, we bypass these things and it's so important yeah definitely definitely you mentioned Alex that you felt alone in those days weeks months afterwards with Anna going through uh postnatal trauma uh and postnatal depression um did you reach out to anyone did you talk to anyone I, no I didn't actually I, I really didn't um I wasn't expecting you to say yes no I, I didn't and I, and I wish I, I wish I did you know I think you know now I still I still wouldn't now it's strange you know that's what I mean is there's this stigma to attached to it I think isn't there and it's just you know he, my dad friends you know we've got a whatsapp group but I wouldn't tell them I'm struggling and can anybody help me you know or anything like that or I'm feeling alone and I need to pop around I wouldn't do that I just kind of I get on and try and you know make myself busy with the kids and 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 struggle through it really until the end when Anna can come and help me basically right but that 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 shows that you've got Anna you you and and we've talked about this already how you guys forged a relationship going through difficult things so for you talking to Anna about difficult things easy you can go there I've been there and done that. we've crossed that bridge already we've broken that barrier down I've, I've I've got Anna there are other couples out there that haven't broken that barrier down because they haven't had a traumatic situation or you know they haven't you know got to that place in their in their relationship and then on top of that they're still feeling like you that they don't want to uh uh talk to their mates about it so then they're trapped in that cycle and what would you is there a way for men to get out of that cycle i i mean i i think you you, you mentioned it you i think you've got to speak to your partner about it i think you've got to let them know look i'm struggling this is really tough for me you know and you know i, I for whatever reason it is you know and and i think you need to share your feelings with your partner um and, and break down those barriers because even if it's um even if you're worried about it and i and so do, do you mind me saying about when after we had Elia? No. Yeah, so Alex yeah. was really honest with me. Um, I think you've spoken about before, actually. Um, so I had I had the trauma first time round, second birth, Eleonora. Ah, oh, brilliant, loved it, hooray! Now I get it. Popped this is it what out. it's supposed to be like. Yeah, what world? Well, <laughs> cesarean, got it pulled out. Lovely. There was no contraction for me, and I was very happy. Weren't risking it this no, time. No, no risking it. No, that was all to that was all to guard against having a, another breakdown, and it worked yeah. for us. It worked really well. Uh, our decision, you know, I, you know, it's not for everyone, but it worked for us. Um, but I was loving it. I was really loving the newborn phase. The breastfeeding was going well. Like, hey, this is good. This is great. I was back doing bits of let's go dating as well. You know, I was feeling like super bloody woman. This was this was mm. good. I got everything, all my ducks in a row. You know, second time in, knew what I was doing a lot more. You know, had my confidence as a mother a bit more. And then it was Alex who Alex. It didn't help really that we had a pandemic kicked in when she was a newborn. Um, Alex was also finishing off uh, a degree. He'd gone back and done a full time degree. And then it was when she was four months old. And I did, I suppose I did notice, but not massively so because I was so into her. But I did notice he wasn't as hands on as he'd been with Enzo. But I mean, like I say, he'd been very hands on with Enzo because Enzo would not have been fed if you hadn't fed him. You know, it was that bad. It really was that bad to start with. Um, but then when when Eleonora was um, four months old, Alex actually did say to me, he, he admitted to me that he was really struggling. Well, you know. <laughs> Probably didn't say. I think I blew up at one point. I think I was oh, yes, probably sh- probably <laughs> shouted it, but I just I broke down. Actually, I I just said, look, I'm struggling. Oh, this is mm. the second baby is is really difficult for me. I can't handle it. How did we do it? You know, 
when they're both kicking off, you know, and they both want your attention, this is really difficult. And I can't, I can't handle, I couldn't handle it. I had so much, so many other commitments as well outside of the family home as well. And, and just trying to juggle everything for me was really difficult. It felt like a spanner in the works, really, because it, it, we didn't plan her. We wanted a second child, but we didn't plan her to arrive at that time because I was finishing my degree and all that kind of thing. So um, it was so difficult. And COVID me. kicked in. So I, and I think, yeah, is <laughs> yeah. And, and COVID kicked in, but it was really difficult. I had a really, really difficult time. Mm. Um, and that's when I, you know, I had to share that, Anna, you just need to back off me a bit, you know, take the pressure off me. Don't expect me to do as much mm. because... I'm finding it difficult. Yeah, I'm struggling this time. Um, and thank God you said it. Because I, yeah. straight away I was like, oh, okay. And then you were there to support. Because I, I think that all parents, when you step from one child to two, you're going to, it's, it's immense. It's immense. I mean, it's immense when you step up to one child. You, you think that you've got no time. Then you have a child and you went, oh, okay. I had a load of time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had a load of time. It's all gone now. You add another child to that and then you're like, what is going yeah, on? exactly. So you're in that place. You're bound to, to be struggling with this step up. Uh, what a lot of men might do in that situation, you didn't, you went and spoke to Anna, is stay at work for an extra hour in the evening or or oh no I've got to go out with the boys for like we're, we're having a, re, a quick meal to reunion or whatever and instead of dealing with it they will brush it under the carpet well which, I did that too <laughs> oh no yeah yeah but you and and that's fine to do that but at some point you were like hold on no I need to I need to own up to this and and own it let's say there's a lot of people who don't own it. There's a lot of people whose kids are 12, 13, 14, and they haven't stepped up to it yet now. And it's a fear, I would say. Is, it, yeah. is, that, what it, is that what you think it comes down to? It's fear. I think that there's a comfort zone that people don't like to be pushed out of. I think that most men would actually, if they were pushed out of their comfort zone and pushed into it, um even against their will a little bit they will adapt to it and be like you know what this is so not as bad as I thought it was I can so do this because I think there's a naturalness to caring for people or just for caring we all have it inside us it's whether we're we will let it tap into it and let it out yeah exactly no and I think a lot a lot more men need to yeah, That's so when, well put, Nigel. So 100%. well put. If you if you took if you got a if you a man was standing in the middle of the street and you took a, a tiny little puppy, put it in his arms and said in his arms and said, "Look, I got to go." Blah blah blah, and left it. You're gonna be like, "Oh," and and it's funny how <laughs> like like a man could do it with a, like a, a puppy or a little animal, but it's a baby, and then they suddenly like go, "Oh oh oh oh," like it's something different. It's yeah, no yeah, different. Yeah. It's like you've got to care for something and look after it and make sure that it's okay. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, for me, that's what it was like with when Enzo was born instantly, I, that kind of instinct kicked in and I was like, you know, I've got to care for this, this little boy and I've got to keep him alive, you know, and I, and I just gave it my all, you know, I just really, really got stuck mm. in and really got hands on and, um, and I loved it. I really loved it, really enjoyed my time with him, you know, 
and um, and I feel and I feel guilty now for Eleonora because I love her so much now, um, and I just feel guilty for that four months when I did feel bad, oh, you no, know, you shouldn't. because I love doing everything with her now, you know, mm. she she's she's amazing, you know, and and for all the times when I think two are hard work, you know, two are also just incredibly incredibly oh, cute and incredibly fun cool. and just make you feel so loved you know yeah yeah but i think everyone Anna, goes through that yeah go nice i was gonna i was gonna say how was it for you after alex told you he was struggling for you to support how how what was it like supporting him what could you what did you notice what did you see that you could then help with do you know it's such a great question and i and and for any guys that are perhaps listening to this thinking um you know that they are empathizing in any way as as the partner please talk to your partner seriously (laughs) just please talk to them because i think we are inherently we want to fix and rescue people i think you know we're i'm a rescuer anyway but i think we all want to particularly with someone we love we want to see someone that we love having an easier time you know and particularly when it comes to sharing kids we all know it's tough um now everyone has their own struggles sure but sometimes it's not the place to then wave your flag and be like I'm struggling too you know sometimes you just have to park yours for a bit and listen to what your partner's saying because your partner is equally valid and it's not saying that anything you're experiencing or feeling is not valid anymore or is lessened in any way it's it's having it's having the sort of gumption to be able to park that and go I'm just going to 100% listen to what life is like for them at the moment and it probably might sound like it comes easy for me in the sense that because I'm a therapist as well you know it is always about taking some what someone says at face value but it is very different in a relationship you know it is the one zone that I can't do any of my professional stuff because there are feelings involved and emotions involved but when Alex told me that he was struggling it was a real weight off my mind because you know, everyone has instinct. I was instinctively thinking, what's up? You know, what, what, you know, have I, have, you know, is, is have I done something wrong or, you know. Or, so you could you know, feel something, you could, you'd notice something. Absolutely, absolutely notice. He was just a not as, not that you weren't um, totally into her and totally loved her, but just wasn't as forthcoming mm. as, as perhaps. And I thought, is it because I'm so, woohoo, you know, loving it? And, you know, I thought, no, I don't think I'm taking over. I thought there's, you know, is, and then if you do, you start to think, is it laziness? You know, does he just not want to feed her or change nappies because he's just been a lazy shit? You know. Is, if, he, is he going old school 80s? He, yeah. As, as every chance. He's probably yeah. spent too much time with my dad, who was a bit of an old school 80s That's dad in my that dad respect. Was too, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I then sort of could tell, I could just feel that it wasn't, it wasn't just that. Um it was more not being able to cope with sort of the pressure, um, you know, and, and, and the kids. So when he did, and it was, I think, we, yeah, we had a bit of a sort of, just a verbal sort of blow up. You know, we were, we'd gone into the into pandemic. I was suddenly like, shit, I can't cope with two kids. You know, I had support yeah. before COVID kicked in. I had yeah. help, you know, my mum could come around and help me. And suddenly all that was ripped away. And it might sound like I'll get the small violin out, but I had never cared for two babies by myself all the time. I'd always had someone around, whether it be a mum or, you know, even just be able to go out and see a friend for coffee. You know, at least I could kind of have some support with it. And I was I was struggling and I then got really worried that my postnatal depression might come back. And then, so I was sort of pushing more on Alex um, at that point going, well, hang on, we need to protect me here. We need to protect me that I don't get postnatal depression again. So you need to step up and do more, you know. And yeah, actually what Alex was going through was his own, was his own thing. And so when he did, you know, and I think sometimes actually it is okay to have a bloody good 
ah, you know, let it all out. Like you say, nice, the pressure cooker. And, you know, you did, you, you admitted it and you just said you were struggling. And for me to yeah. hear that, it was, I needed to hear it. It was helpful for me to hear it. And it, and it made me like a slap in the face in a good way go, oh, wow, there is a real thing going on. And because I had also had mental health problems postnatally, I absolutely was empathizing in what he might be feeling, thinking, oh, mm. my God, if he's feeling anything like I felt with child number one, he has my heart and my support because I know what a dark hole that is to be in. So, yeah, I took the pressure off him as much as I could straight away. And I let him just do whatever he needed to do with no pressure. If he didn't, you know, if he just, I just didn't put any pressure on him to have to do anything. He could just yeah, do it were, willingly. You were great, actually. You, and, and I was so, so glad that I did say something because it, it felt like a, you know, I had the key. Me talking to Anna and just telling her that it was like unlocking a door, you know, and it just kind of that unlocking that door of stress almost and just kind of alleviating the stress as soon as I told her that you know me telling you and talking to you was mm. the key you know and, and for is. a long time I was thinking how can how can I make myself feel better and yeah it was just I, that's what I needed to do I just needed to share it the thing is people talk about it all the time it's one of those um statements that gets banded around all over the place you know a problem shared is a problem halved but until you are actually in a situation where you have a real problem you have and you need real help it's not until you actually let it out and talk to people that you that becomes real yes and it might sound cheesy to someone listening they might be listening go yeah whatever whatever no but it's <laughs> true but sometimes just talking to someone about just mentioning it Sometimes you don't even have to get fully deep into the conversation. Just to have mentioned it will take a massive weight off your shoulders. Absolutely. And it yeah. also helps that partner then know what to do. Like it, it, it empowers a partner. There's nothing worse than feeling like you're in the dark and sort of, you know, thinking, well, I don't know what to do. Because then you get more ratty, you get more frustrated. Um, you start, you know, and that frustration then manifests in nagging perhaps um, you know, and, and, and actually when, when you are able to take that step back and it's like, well, let's rethink this. Fine. Let's do, what do you need help with? How can I help facilitate that? As you say, it's like pouring, you know, water on flames, everything just simmers down and you go, right, let's just pick our way through this one step at a time, you know, no mm -hmm. pressure. And then as the person that's been told that stuff, the, you know, that's been communicated to, you just feel more empowered. You feel more included. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I love the way that you guys have worked together. Had it always been a plan from before you had kids to, to work this way uh, as parents? Because what, what you're, what you're um, demonstrating is a, a pure like parenting symbiosis where you like feed off each other. If one person's struggling, the other person's there for them. It's like, it's like perfect, like, family let me lift you up when I'm down all of that it's not and not perfect in the way that we don't have problems it's perfect in the way that we have problems we will help each other to fix those problems um had you already because I know you guys went through pre-marital sort of like um counseling as it were was it a plan to to work this way together or did you fall into it because of life going <laughs> 
here you go, yeah. guys. <laughs> I think that, that 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 was it. We just fell into it. Flinging really manure night, it's stuck on a wall. We fell into it, and not straight away. You know, we had to we had to work on it. Yeah. We, you know, work work to we get still do together. every day. We still work every day. You know, we don't get it right all the time. You know, no. sometimes it does end up just having an argument. You know, and we don't well. and we don't pick each other up, but. A lot mm. of the times we do, and we but we mm. and we've we always do to, eventually. Yeah, we do. We always eventually. do eventually, and we've learned. Yeah, we've just learned to sort of you know it is dancing that dancing that that dance really, and I, you know Alex and I are both pretty independent. I, I can be fiery in my own way. Um, stubborn is probably what you'd call me. Yeah. Um, but we sort of but we <laughs> but we have. I think I think a lot of it as well. I think what's what's also really important is that our our sort of foundations and our values are very aligned when it comes to parenting. We really value family. Um, we really see the benefit of that. You know, you come, you know, that's sort of in, it's in your bones. You're Italian. Everyone has kids and, yeah. you know, is around the table. You know, I, I, I came from the same. So we really, we see the real benefit of that. And, you know, we, we see our kids, you know, growing and thriving. And as I say, yeah, of course, we, we, we'd be absolutely lying if we said, oh, we're all skipping around. Far from it. We can, we can be fiery buggers. But <laughs> what I think what we've learned is... We've learned to communicate, we've learned to listen, we've learned to compromise, yeah. and we've learned to manage and respect each other's styles in just life in general, and learned to compliment them and also knowing to back up the F off when it's not working as well, you know. And I think that is something we continue to work up. And the only time I think, do you think this is fair? The only time we come unstuck is when we haven't communicated properly and we've let a niggle yeah. just go on a little bit too long and then right. it will end up in a but then we'll reset and then and then we're good again. Do you ever worry about our children's mental health and how will you approach that in the years now as, as they grow? Because I don't think it's ever too early to kind of prepare us, our kids for taking care of their mental health. Mm. Yeah, we have started with Enzo actually already. Mm. Um, there's this great book. Awesome. There's this great book and I can't remember who it's from or, or who did it, but it's about a unicorn and his feelings. Oh yeah! And, oh, I know this book. Oh, I can't I remember know what the it book. Is. Do you know it with the colours yeah. and with the colours yeah. and the if it, if you're feeling happy, you're feeling sunny. So you, yellow, you, you know, and it's yellow. Yeah, Unicorns sunny and yellow, yellow is happy, and then you've got anger, which is red, and and it's rain or sad when it's raining. You know, and it and it's really it was a really good way to open up his feelings and ask him, well, how are you feeling? You know, how are you feeling right now when he was upset? And he would say, I'm feeling sad. You mm. know. Mm. Uh, or in some days it might just be I'm feeling happy it's yellow it's a yellow day you know that kind of thing so Mm. that's a great book and I think go through books it's a great way to start talking about mental health with children yeah little unicorn little unicorn that's it little unicorn it's really good it's it's a great book yeah I don't know who that's by um and and then there's there's also another little series of books I've got which is uh, a various sort of animal that it's like uh, elephants angry or something, isn't oh, it? Oh, hippo didn't tell the truth. Oh, hippo didn't tell the truth, like that, yeah. and you know, so that's more sort of behavioural things. But it is, it does tap into feelings and emotions, you know, like being left out, you know, and and so it's about you know inclusivity and um, but then how you manage your feelings as well, you know, when when you know when, when situations happen. I've practiced um, this because I'm into it myself, but I actually have already. He's nearly five, but I've been practicing mindfulness with him because he does get quite angry mm. um, and frustrated, you know, and you can see that you know build up oh that angry sort of you know little boy testosterone oh just you know it all needs to come out um 
And so I've practiced a few like breathing exercises with him, like on the feet, on the hand where you trace your fingers with your, with your finger and you breathe in and out. Um, and again, you know, we, we use the weather, you know, quite a lot. So I, I, that makes me laugh now when I say, right, I think that's just, you know, how are you feeling? I'm feeling really angry, mummy. Okay. And then I'll say, right, well, let's do the breathing. So it's like blowing out a birthday candle. But, um, so he's supposed to do it, you know, slowly, but he'll just go <laughs> in, in his sort of angry state. But, but he does understand it. And I think schools are really good. Nurseries are really good already at, at sort of naming that and, um, and yeah, I think I don't think it's ever too early, like you say, Nigel, um, to to be able to let them know it's important to talk about how you feel and you know where their trusted people are that they can tell. Yeah, definitely, it's great to hear that you're fully on board with that, and because I think it sets our kids up to have a better journey when it comes to mental health and to help other people as well. I think it, it's really important if they understand it, they're then able to help other people. I was listening to your episode of the podcast when you guys were talking about, you talked about baby groups and how uh, Alex, you went to one and uh, her mother wanted to feed and she, (laughs) all of that. Yeah. Um, And you also mentioned that um, you've seen the dad groups online and things like that. And Uh at the time you were like, they don't work. And I I get it. I fully get it. That's why Dad Vengers is here. Um, what do you think it is that men need differently to be able to start getting to a place like the place you're in, the place where you can talk to your partner or talk to your friends or whatever? What, what do you think we need to do a little bit differently or what's going to encourage men to do it? Is it seeing them like seeing you earlier, be emotional and talk about things? Or is it something else? Is it a different attitude? Both of you, this is too, but Alex first. Good question. Yeah, no, I think I think we need to see more more of it, don't we? We need to see more um, men opening up and, and sharing their experiences, and, and you know, letting their guard down. Um, I think we 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 you know we I don't see it a lot, you know, and I and I think that that is definitely what would help me, um, but. I don't know. It is a it's a it's a funny one. I really don't know. I'm I'm trying to think what would help me, you know. And I'm and I and I really don't know. What we're trying to do here with the Avengers and anyone who might be listening to the, this for the first time, we try and create a relaxed space where it's not just parent. We don't just talk parenting. We 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 will get involved in all sorts of things. So like say through the Euros, we had a sweepstake, and so you know different dads were like you know picking teams and all of that. Or um, every week or two, we'll stick up a, a sticker where we're curating a Spotify playlist. So last week's Spotify playlist was a reggae playlist. So everyone gets to throw in a reggae track. And it might be ousted if it's not like reggae enough. If it's like soft yeah, reggae yeah, yeah. or like like borderline, <laughs> you know, if it's UB40 reggae instead of like hardcore dub, it it's, might not get accepted. <laughs> but these these kind of fun things that we do just mean that we we create a bond and more of a friendship which means that when we do have uh, a a room or a a chat about a specific topic whether it be mental health or um, my kids beating up the other kid how do I stop him from doing that whatever it is we can feel more comfortable to talk about it because coming back to what you were saying I think it's all about talking and talking as a group 
And it's a big thing about the Avengers. Yes, we're about helping men. But we're here, two men and a woman. And I think we're addressing a lot of the things that men need to hear and need to be talked about. And the fact that we've got women here doesn't make it any different to me. I, I, you, you, you're, yes, it's your partner, but um, you're still comfortable to talk about these things. And I think men would be encouraged to talk about them with their partner, hopefully, I'm thinking. And I, and I think you've, you've also just hit the nail on the head with the opening up. And I think you do need to build that community, that sense of community and a group of people that you feel comfortable opening up to and I think what you're doing at Dad Avengers is, is absolutely great because that's what you're doing you're creating that community that like-minded you know being around like-minded people and and so then when you have a hard moment you can go oh well you know I'm gonna go and talk to David who who yeah. I who I get on well, really, really well you I, know that kind of thing and I think, yeah what you guys he'll get he'll get what I'm going through you know yeah it sounds like really you know what what it's all about is trust trust um, exactly trust and then mm. not being um judged I think yeah not, that not being yeah. judged for yeah feeling that and way when you the reason you you're not going to feel judged unfortunately for men is when they've seen someone else be vulnerable because then they say right yes. well, you exactly. can't judge me because if you do judge me i'm going to turn around and lay into you because yeah, yeah you were exactly. crying the other week mate yeah so, exactly. <laughs> so yeah there's that whole being judged thing and i and i think when when men build that relationship between each other where okay we've seen one guy cry that means if we see another one no one's going to call it out suddenly the trust builds and then you feel safe to be able to talk to people. I think I think that's the key. I'm... I mean, I I'm not a guy, and I I wouldn't even dream to, to comment other than from listening to what you guys have said. I think it make it's so refreshing to hear it framed like that. And as you say, without throwing into it, going you know dark on it, but you know suicide is such a massive you know is the biggest killer of men under forty. Mm. And I and I and I so and I think you you've hit the nail on the head. How do we stop that happening? How do we stop guys, dads? feeling isolated not being able to talk you know I think you, you absolutely it's about community it's about trust it's about building up those bonds outside of the parenting space which is ultimately that's what's got you together but yeah so then because I think it's really difficult isn't it and, and I speak as a as, as a mum here as well you know um it it was one of the other girls in my NCT group you know it's typically mums you know that opened up that they weren't feeling so great after birth and it opened up the floodgates mm. for everyone, me included. All it took was for one person and everyone was, you know, oh, isn't this lovely? Oh, I've got this. And then it just took one person to kind of go, feeling a bit shit. Mm. And it was like, God, so am I. Are you really? Yes, I really am. You too. Yes, I've been to the doctor. Oh, my God, so am I. And then it was like this, oh, my God, I can't. It happened at 2 a.m. I remember this WhatsApp chat. And it, and it was one of the most cathartic moments of my life fact at 2am 10 days postpartum when someone dropped their guard and was brave enough to fess up to a load of women they'd never really got to know that actually they weren't feeling so great and it was one of the nct girls and at that point our bond grew and grew and grew you know and we were then you know could be really open and honest about anyone that needed extra extra help you know what anyone needed um and it normalized it and i think that's what is so important here, particularly yeah. with dads, because it is historically not a tapped into arena, no, but right. is as important. I think also to help normalise it would be normalising the joint role that mums and dads have in parenting. 
No, if you're in a heterosexual couple, obviously, um, I'm talking, you know, specifically about that, you know, demographic. And I think, you know, you're the same even, night. even if you're in a same sex uh, relationship, yeah, just absolutely. working together, that that whole exactly being uh, able to yeah. talk to each other and share uh, yeah uh, it's yeah. sharing exactly you're, you're absolutely right and I think you know you Nige, you know we, we obviously you know work in the same arena um I know how present you've always been with your kids you know you've been mm. a really present dad you know you you haven't had your typical nine to five um you know you've brought your kids up and proudly so you know you, you they come to work with you and you know you've always been a very proud yeah. active dad you're the same Alex you've been a very active dad you know with our children and I think the more and I, I appreciate that's not for everyone, but I think the more as well that sort of co-parenting is celebrated and seen as an option, then there is more parity amongst mm-hmm. parents. And it isn't just like, oh, there's dad takes two weeks paternity and is a bit absent half of the time and mum sets all the routines and does the food and everything else. It's like, I think where that normalisation comes is that actually, you know, Alex set Enzo's feeding routine. You know, Alex pretty much set everything. Alex set the wind, you know, knew how to wind him more than me, you know. Exactly. Alex did all of that. And I think historically, you know, generations gone by, you know, that would have been seen as a real sissy thing to do. What? (laughs) The guys have done that? You know, and I think you, Nigel, and you, Alex, you're a great example of active dads. Dads that aren't afraid to get stuck in and go, actually... I half created this child. Why does society say that the mum should be the one that has to set all of the parameters around mm-hmm. it? Actually, I'm equally responsible and I'm going to make it work my way, which stands to reason that you need as much support as mums have. Yeah. The thing is, as well, it's so rewarding. For any dad who's out there who's thinking it, it's m- way more rewarding than you can ever really explain to anyone yeah absolutely exactly you can't explain it can you that's the thing you, you've just got to do it and when you do it that's when you know that's when you know how rewarding it is and it's, it's amazing the bond that you just build with your, with your children when you are a lot more active yeah you guys are amazing absolutely amazing Aww. there is one thing i need to do before we go though and it's the question that we ask all of our dad vengers. <laughs> so you can answer it um, separately. And uh, we'll go ladies first. Anna, you can go first. And then Alex, right. you can go afterwards. So if you could have a parenting superpower, what would it be and why? This is the best question on the best <laughs> pod ever. Um, parenting superpower. It would be right now to turn the volume down to zero yeah on the kids at the moment Eleonora (laughs) is going through that 18 month stage of can't talk so she'll shout just at everything um normally it's CBeebies actually it's upsy daisy at the moment um so for me my parenting superpower would be um you know silence is golden she says for someone that talks an awful lot <laughs> turning that having a volume switch where i could just shh, Boom. that would be lovely you love it love you'd it. want that on me i think i think for me it would be um the power to make my children do as i say <laughs> <laughs> just they don't listen to me sometimes and i would just love it if i could just say time for bed now like okay. calmly quietly and just say it's time for bed mm. up had your walk. milk and up you go up they go to bed and set themselves down and go to sleep mm. that would just make my life so much easier listen guys have a lovely rest of your evening 
rest well, take, keep taking care of each other. It's inspirational and I'll see you all soon. Thanks, Nigel. Take care. Love you, babe. Bye-bye. Wow, so lovely talking to Alex and Anna. Inspirational parents for me, working together, helping each other, all for the good of their kids. And isn't that what we all want? So lucky to have them on the show. So there you have it, another fantastic episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have time, leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you thought of this episode or of the series as a whole. And don't forget, you can subscribe or follow using your preferred podcast platform to be first to hear the episodes. If you'd like to find out more about Dadvengers, head to dadvengers.com where you can find out more information about our live chats, about our meetups, quizzes, blog posts, and more. This has been the Dadvengers podcast, sponsored by Tonka, because being tough is all about getting out and playing. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.